Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. All right, let's open the words today. Uh, We're going to be going to Luke chapter 18, and today for our Family Sunday, the title of our message is Last Lessons. Last Lessons. Uh, You know, uh, uh, we are going to uh, realize that Jesus here, uh, when we get to Luke 18, we are in the perhaps the last 10 days of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. Okay? And most people don't realize that, that 40% of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 39% actually, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is written about the last two weeks of Jesus' life on earth. This account takes place, as I said, in the last 10 days about of his earthly life and ministry and before he finally arrives in Jerusalem where he's going to be arrested and crucified by Roman soldiers and become a sacrifice, become that Lamb of God sacrificed for the sins of the world. And uh, Jesus and his disciples, they had been walking along a road for a few days. There's a road, an old road that leads from the Sea of Galilee in the north of Jerusalem. It's on the east bank of the of, of, of the Jordan River which is now the country of Jordan and that road leads down the Jordan River from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea they were walking down this road he and his disciples on their last trip together and they're almost to the city of Jericho at Jericho they're going to turn west go through go across the Jordan River through the city of Jericho They'll wait there generally just a little bit and rest up because it's a big climb up a big hill all the way about 20 miles into Jerusalem uh, through that Judean desert. And so uh, here they're almost to the city of Jericho and and, uh, uh, Jesus... He knows he's going to be crucified in a few days. He knows he's going to leave these disciples in just a few days. And so he has some last lessons. He has some last words, some last teachings. And even though every teaching of Jesus and every teaching uh, you know, of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, even though every one of them is very powerful, nonetheless, the lessons that Jesus gave us in those last few days, I believe that he sees a critical moment coming. And he's, you know, you know how it is whenever you're about to go somewhere and you're trying to leave instructions for, your, uh, for the babysitter? You know, so that you can watch after your kids and all of a sudden you start talking faster and you start remembering things and you, you know, and, and you're, you're hoping after you leave, oh, I hope they remembered that. That must have been something akin to how Jesus was kind of feeling. And so uh, we pick up with our first last lesson for today in Luke 18 as Jesus is speaking here on this road. The Bible says in verse 1, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart now remember he was preparing them for a future that they were going to you know encounter some things that were kind of difficult he's about to go away and the pressure's about to come on them and they're becoming uh, becoming responsible now for the things that he had been responsible for and so he's encouraging them uh, you know um, 
Men ought always to pray and to not lose heart, not faint, not quit, not draw back, you know, not get discouraged, not get disappointed. And then he tells them a parable about a judge. You can read it later. About a judge and a woman. And this woman, she is asking for justice. And the judge, the Bible says, does not care. You know, I mean, he's not afraid of God. He's not afraid of men. And, uh, but finally, he answers her because she just keeps on coming to him and keeps on coming to him and keeps she's not being discouraged by no she's not being discouraged by wait she's not being discouraged by not yet you know sometimes whenever we hear not yet or sometimes whenever god does not do something immediately or the pressure does not let up sometimes if we're not possible you know not 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 uh, uh, conscious of it sometimes we can lose heart we can get disappointed. Sometimes we can you know, just decide, well, what's the use of it? But the conclusion was that that judge, even though he didn't fear God and he didn't fear man, yet because of this woman's persistence, because she kept on asking, and because she didn't give up, and she didn't lose heart, she, didn't, you know, she, she wasn't satisfied just thinking, well, he hadn't heard me, or he's heard me, he's not going to do anything. The judge ended up judging in her favor. Now, I would take this, by the way, with a grain of salt. I don't think you need to necessarily keep pestering judges in today's world. That's not what this is about, okay? I just looked out and saw some attorneys. I'm not certain that that's what you really may want to do. But, but um, you know, for what, he, for what Jesus is teaching here in his last lesson, look at verse 8. He says, I tell you, He's likening this to how, how we interact with God. I tell you that God will avenge his children speedily. Nevertheless, he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Whenever Jesus returns is the question, is he going to find people who have given up on him coming back? Is he going to find people who have quit, who have been disappointed, who are no longer actively engaged in believing that God is hearing them and that their prayers are making a difference? Listen, don't be discouraged. If it looks like your prayers aren't making a difference, keep praying. Men ought always to pray. That was what he said. And to not lose heart. Our second lesson coming again in the next verse as we begin in verse 9. The Bible says, Also, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Wow. I know that you have never been one of those people that believe you're so right and other people are so wrong that you think less of them. Nah, right? Nah, we don't know anyone like that. We don't know anyone that thinks that they're so smart that everybody else must be stupid. Surely those words have never come out of your mouth. Why are they so stupid? Why can't they see this? What's wrong with them? <laughs> well, Jesus here is speaking one of his last lessons to his disciples and to those listening. And he says, listen, uh, you know, uh, I want to talk to some of you who trust in yourselves, who trust your uh, opinions, and who, 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 you know, who, who trust your knowledge and your opinions so much so that you think everybody else is stupid. You despise them. So uh, 
basically he uses a parable of two men who go to a temple to pray one of them is a pharisee one of them is a righteous god-fearing god-loving strict living man and the other person works for the irs he's a publican he's a tax collector and the man in that day who was a tax collector in that day when you called someone a publican it was one of the worst things they could be because tax collectors were chosen from among the Jewish population because you were taxed on what you reaped from your fields and what you had now if the Romans came in and got their own tax collectors you know the Jews could probably hide their assets from a Roman foreigner who didn't speak the language and who didn't know the lay of the land so what the Romans did in every place that they conquered they would find people from among that population who lived and were raised in that local community that local economy and they would hire them as tax collectors and what was their pay their pay was a percentage of everything they could collect so you couldn't hide this from neighbor Joe. <laughs> neighbor Joe knows how much you brought in. He knows where your cellar is. He knows your language. He knows your friends. And he gets a portion of everything that he can point to to say that was your increase this year. Here are your assets. And so tax collectors in that day were some of the most despised people on earth. So here this righteous Pharisee, Jesus says, righteous Pharisee goes to church, goes to the temple, goes to the altar, and he's going to pray. And here this tax collector comes up right beside him. And so Jesus says that the Pharisee, while he is praying, he says, Oh, God, I am so glad that I'm not like that person. I'm so glad that I am not a traitor, a cheater. I'm not stupid. I'm not ignorant. I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad I'm not like that. Whereas Jesus says that that publican, that tax collector, when he approached the altar, he said to God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. You know, I, I'm a, forgive me, have mercy on me. And Jesus' conclusion was, which one of those two people do you think approached God correctly? Which one of those two people do you think was justified whenever they went back to their home? In verse 14, the last part of that, Jesus' conclusion to this parable, one of his last words and conclusions was, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now here he's talking about a God principle. If you will humble yourself in the eyes of God and not think too highly of yourself, that's what he started out with. I want to talk to some of you who really put trust in yourself and despise others. Now, everyone who humbles himself, God will exalt. But if you go around exalting yourself with pride and arrogance and such, then, then I'm sorry, but uh, you know, God's going to have to just back up just a moment and pride comes before a fall because none of us are perfect. Perhaps we too need to approach God. 
by saying, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Instead of pointing the finger at others in church or at others in our family, others in our community, others at our workplace, others at school, others in our government, perhaps we could just really consciously be a little more concerned about our life before Christ. Amen? All right, third lesson from Jesus this morning. Uh, Verse 16. But Jesus called them to him, talking about the children. This is the story of children being brought to Jesus and the disciples rebuking those people and saying, don't bother Jesus. But Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verse 17, assuredly, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. You know, Jesus is encouraging people to realize that he loves simplicity. He loves the trust that a little child has. He loves the fact that they're teachable, they're moldable, they're trainable, they believe what they're told, and they're excited. They're, you know, they're, 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 you know, children. He said, you know, some of you need to be a little more like little children because once you grow up to end up having your own walls built and your, your own definitions of what you're going to do and not do and, and, and what, is, you know, what is acceptable and not acceptable, you've lost a lot of childlike faith. He said, allow the little children to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And it would be a little bit better on some of you if you would just be a little more like these children. If we were to continue to read chapter 18, there are several other last lessons that Jesus taught in this word. And, and uh, you know, we can't cover them all on a Sunday morning. Uh, but let me encourage you to find some time to read the whole chapter and to make some application of that in your lives. It really has potential to change your life. But for the final last lesson today, I want to look, if we would, at verse 31. Okay? Verse 31 of chapter 18. Look at this last lesson. Then Jesus. Now remember, he's in the last 10 days of his life. Remember, he's on his way to the cross. Remember here, he he has his disciples with him. Then Jesus took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, listen. Listen, we're... We're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and insulted, and spit upon. Now, we're supposed to put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples at this moment. Okay, because he's talking to us. We're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man is, you know, I'm I'm going to be delivered to the Gentiles. I'm going to be given over to, you know, a group of people that don't understand and don't know. And, you know, and I'm going to be mocked and insulted and spit on. Verse 33, they will scourge him. 
going to be whipped, going to be beaten, and kill him. Oh, my goodness. Jesus here is telling them some things that's going to happen in just a few days. We're going to Jerusalem, and when we get there, I want you to know that things are going to be kind of tough. Okay? I'm going to be given to the Gentiles. I'm going to be spit on. I'll be insulted. I'll be mocked. I'll be beaten. And I'll be killed. But then on the third day, I will rise again. Verse 34. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. And they did not know the things which were spoken. Very interesting. Perhaps above all other lessons that day, Jesus had something heavy on his heart. Now, Jesus was not telling them something they could not understand. That's not what that means. It was hidden from them. You know, that's, that's not what that means. This is not the first time or the second time or the, even the third time that Jesus has tried to tell them that I'm going to Jerusalem, guys. I'm going to be treated bad. Come on, you know, go. go no, this is, you know, this is, uh, he's tried to tell them several times. But they did not understand. They did not comprehend. The saying was hidden from them. What does that mean? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean that God blinded their minds so they couldn't understand. If God was blinding their minds so they couldn't understand, Jesus wouldn't have said anything to them. If God, no, what it means these things were hidden from them, it means that they had put up a wall. They had put up a curtain. And they were not willing to look beyond the narrative that they had created about their future. Interesting, huh? You see, because these disciples, quite plain, quite plain in the harmony of the Gospels and in the whole Word of God, it is quite plain that these disciples understood that He was Messiah. They believed He was Messiah. And when Messiah came, that Messiah was going to change everything. Messiah was going to set them free from their enemies. And Messiah was going to give them a good life. And they were going to rule and they were going to reign. And, and they weren't going to have any trouble, weren't going to have any problems. And, and this was their paradigm. This was their narrative. This was what they believed. Everything good, nothing bad. And now Jesus is going to rock their boat. Nope, not going to rock my boat. I got a wall. I got a curtain here. And I'm not going to believe anything bad's going to happen to you. In fact, in one other time, he would, when he was trying to tell this, two of his disciples interrupted him and said, Listen, which one of us can sit on the throne next to you? completely disregarded what he said and another time he was trying to tell him peter interrupted him and said nope not over my dead body you're not going to do that and jesus said peter get behind me satan you you you, you you're saving the things to be of the flesh you have a fleshly outlook of what this is all about you have a carnal perspective you have put up a curtain you've built a wall because you don't want to hear it 
and you don't hear anything you don't want to hear. You have hidden things from your own eyes because it's not the narrative that makes you feel the best. They were thinking that Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and whenever all of the problems break out, boom, he's going to win the battle. That's why the Jews today do not in group believe that Jesus is Messiah because when Messiah comes, he's going to fix everything. Well, he did fix everything spiritually. And next time, you know, he won't be on a little donkey. He'd be on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth. Yeah. But this suffering Messiah was necessary. They didn't understand it because they didn't want to understand it. They didn't see it because they didn't want to see it. Because they had their own idea of what they wanted. And he was their ticket to the throne. You know, sometimes I think that if we are not watchful, we can do what these disciples did. We can create a narrative in our mind, a scenario. It could be about anything. It could be based upon our opinions. It could be based upon our fears. It could be based upon what we consider faith. So much so that we are unwilling to embrace the next step God has. The reality that God is sharing with us. Because whenever Jesus was crucified, they scattered. They found a room and locked the door and was afraid that the same thing was going to happen to them. And when Jesus was raised on the third day, the Bible says they, wasn't even, they, they weren't even aware of it. Yet how many times did he try to tell them? And then whenever you know, Mary and the ladies came back and told them and the two uh, witnesses on the road to Emmaus came back and, and told the disciples, the Bible says they wouldn't even believe it. Jesus had to show up there at nighttime, walk through a wall and say to them, listen, it's me. And the Bible says he, he upbraided them. He rebuked them for their hardness of heart and their unwillingness to believe. They thought their life was over. They thought they were wrong. They thought, you know, how many times have people thought they were wrong whenever God said, I'm going to do this in your life, and you get right down the road, and it, you know, it looks like something else might have happened. The Apostle Paul and Silas whenever they were called by God, a dream to go to Europe, over to Macedonia, come over and help us. As soon as they got there, they got thrown in jail, beaten, stripped, naked in public, whipped with rods, and thrown in prison. Yeah, there's an answer to a dream. <laughs> but they didn't lose heart. They kept praying. And in their midnight hour, they still believed because they didn't have a wall up saying that I'm not going to accept anything other than what I want and what is good for me and everything. Let me tell you, Jesus said it this way. In this world, you will have tribulation. Now put that in your promise box. But it didn't end there. And it didn't end here with his crucifixion. But be of good cheer, he said, because I have overcome the world. Whatever you may be facing in life today, Whatever situations or circumstances may present themselves in the near future, whether it is at work or in our families, perhaps it's in the finances or maybe on the world scene, whatever the situation is, let me tell you, He is Lord above it all. Amen. He reigns above it all. 
Let me tell you, he's still God. He's still on the throne. His promises are true. You can trust him. You can call upon his name. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. So much truth is hidden behind the curtains of an already made up mind. Let me say that one more time. So much truth is hidden behind the curtains of an already made up mind. Let God be God. You trust Him in everything that happens. He's on the throne. He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. You are a winner and you win in the end. It may be a little walk between now and you feeling the victory that God has for you. But don't faint. Don't think that you're right and everybody else needs to be despised. Don't imagine that becoming all adult and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, all the research and all of the, you know, all of the head games you can play can equal just coming to Christ as a child and trusting Him like a child. Get a little more childlike faith in your life. And take down the wall. Don't let fear be your guide. Amen. Well, this morning, my primary goal is to make sure that you're connected to Christ. That you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, it's the most important decision you can ever make. Today, if you're not 100% sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven, then you need to make a decision today. You can be sure. The Bible says, I have written these things that you might know that you are saved, are born again, that you have eternal life. You can know today because Jesus said so. You already know in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. You would have to be lying to yourself to not believe that. That's what Romans, the first chapter, says. Right now, today, I challenge you to just let your wall, let your defenses down. Maybe you've been believing something about Christianity or about yourself or, you know, about church that's just not true. Maybe you've been unwilling to reach across that curtain, see beyond that veil. Today, just drop your defenses. And let Jesus into your life. I would like for those of you that are here to consider this. You know, just to consider in public. Am I born again? Have I asked Jesus personally? Not did my grandmother ask. Not was I raised in church. But have I personally asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Right now, dare. Dare to drop your defenses and just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. You can pray that prayer right where you are, right here on campus, right there where you are. Let me encourage you to make sure we cover the bases. Pray this prayer with me right now. What will it hurt if you've prayed it before? 
But if you've prayed it before and you do not see some of the fruits of a changed life in your life, then you may need to pray it again. It won't hurt. It won't hurt you and it won't offend God. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, just say this in your own heart. Say it out loud, uh, loud enough for you to hear it. Jesus, I believe in you. And right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to talk, how to think, how to feel. Put me in a good church family and grow me so that I can be a blessing to others. I ask this in the name of Jesus because you gave your life for me. I'm going to believe you like a little child believes his parents. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.